When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love the people who meditate on a mountain like this, like they hold their arms up. It's like you do realize that that would become impossible within a matter of minutes. Yeah, yeah, no, like, that's my favorite pose because you know the person doesn't meditate. Yeah, yeah. Lucky number 66, here we go. We're 100 away from the Devil's Podcast. Let's do it. away. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> So Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Yeah. Uh, Supreme Court justice. And it's been one of the most newsworthy Supreme Court justice deaths for a number of reasons. I think that I wanted to go deep on what I think is the biggest topic, which is abortion. Uh, That that seems to be the hot button that everyone is talking. We we haven't talked. We had a previous question, which I think we'll answer this week about what our controversial takes are. So I was like, sure, let's let's do abortion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's start with let's start with something light and easy, like do, abortion. Do you want to begin? On my thoughts about Ruth Bader Ginsburg or my thoughts about abortion? Hop in. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do I think? I think what's going to happen is that there will be a Republican person appointed, mm-hmm. and so what I think that means is that uh, their gun abortion will become a state decision Mm -hmm. so blue states will allow it red states won't Mm -hmm. i think that that means that if you have money this is a non-issue because if you get someone pregnant and you're in a state that doesn't allow abortion you'll just book a first class flight for you and your lady to go get a medical procedure and then you'll stay at a nice hotel while recovering so it looks like what the result will be is completely unaffected upper class upper middle class and then probably more children that would have been aborted in red states by people who don't have a lot of disposable income. Mm-hmm. That seems like an accurate analysis of what's going to happen with that without any sort of moralizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so let's talk about abortion itself. Now, I think one of the arguments that I want to throw out and we can come back to from from the jump is that uh, that it's going to create bad social incentives, right? That, you know, so you're saying there's going to be all of these unwanted children that mm-hmm. that are born and that's going to create more crime and that's a serious problem. And I think that needs to be thrown out because you can make that argument about, say, people with an IQ under 70, right? Mm-hmm. The people with an IQ under 70 uh, are drains on the economy that they whatever like or you can do pick any group of people and say that not having them around would be yeah, yeah. better for society. Listeners, get used to hearing this kind of logic because <laughs> you're about to say some spicy takes. Yeah, I got some spicy. Going. So well, if you think this, then you have to think this. Yes. So if you're saying we should make abortion, abortion legal because it'll lower crime, you're going to have a lot of other things you could that do. That you could do to lower, to crime. lower crime. And so really... Are, and there, if you think an abortion is a murder, there's murders you could commit to create that would, less crime. That would create less that crime. most people are against. Yes. All right, so, so go ahead, Spice Master. So I just want to f- finish that thought that the argument that this is good for uh, society as a whole does not infringe. Like the really core argument is, does this person count? Because you're not allowed to kill people if you think that having them gone would be better. And maybe it would, provably. For society, you can't. Yeah, do so that. it all gets down. It's all. It's the Louis C.K. line, right? Do you think this is? Do you think this is popping a pimple or murdering a baby? Yes, that's it. That that's really what it comes down to. Um, and do you want to uh, no, get no, my no, spiciness? No, all right, yeah. here's my. Spicy. I know. I know you've got some hot takes. 
here's my spiciness. Uh, so I think everybody gets it wrong. I think I think the argument is fun is first off poorly framed. The idea, uh, and I respect both sides trying to language it into you know pro choice. You're taking away my choice, and then pro life. You're they've obviously included in their labeling. They've won the argument already. Mm-hmm. Pro choice is to say that this human life doesn't count, doesn't matter, and pro life is to say, well, it obviously does, and mm-hmm. the entire argument is about that. Uh, I see pro-lifers arguing, you know, that it's a human. It's got human DNA. It doesn't seem to matter uh, to me if it's a human. What counts is if it is what in philosophy you call a person. A person is an individual that matters and has inalienable rights, at least within the framework of our government. Mm-hmm. Uh, because humans, we kill all the time. We we have capital punishment. We get to go to war. We kill humans all the time. And even stepping back, pro-life is like, Every pro-lifer I know has eaten <laughs> something. Yeah. They've taken something that was alive, be it an animal or a plant, and deaded it. Right. <laughs> so, right. Like, so we'll still kill cows. It's not pro-life. Yeah. We'll still go to war and kill other humans. It's not pro-human. So there's some other definition, which is a, a citizen of your country yes. and therefore protected by your country's laws. Yes. So the question is, is this... When does fetus? that happen? Yeah, sure. When do you become When does it citizen? happen? When does it happen? When do you become you? When are you a person? And nobody seems to be asking this question, which is the crux of it. You know, the heartbeat, the this, that, these are all proxies for like, does this, and I can't, with that, the word that I choose implies the answer. So I'll say fetus slash unborn child. Does it count? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question is when? So we, I'm just going to start with what both sides say. We all seem to agree that when it's born, this person, fetus, unborn child, it counts. That you would not, upon seeing it, thinking that it was ugly, be allowed to do a late-term abortion. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anyone advocating for that position. Um, neither have I heard anybody advocating, and I'm sure they're out there, that masturbation is genocide. Sure. Even though you could take a sperm from somebody who masturbated and an egg, put it into a put it into a test tube very soon and maybe you can't gestate the entire thing today but you could take that and implant it in a woman and it could live now i don't even know where to begin but let's start with this idea of viability viability is bunk viability define what you mean by viability people say okay so you can have an abortion up until viability which is to say up until the baby uh, would survive outside of some sort of medical intervention. Mm-hmm. And in the 70s, that was like first trimester or something something weird. Now, sure. second trimester. The whatever. problem is two-year-olds aren't viables. Yep. I know I know 18-year-olds who aren't viable that would not survive without. I mean, quite frankly, I'm not viable. I can't survive without the intervention of other people. So this idea of viability is one crazy. There's no two-year-old that can survive. Um, sure, or even go one one week old. One week Certainly old. No, if they're you not viable. Just walk away from a one week old. They're not viable. Somebody has to step in. Some technology, some social structure, and the other issue is that as technology advances, viability creeps back and back and back. Viability could exist at the point of masturbation, where if somebody came in, grabbed it, put it into this the the baby two thousand maker, that it could gestate an entire baby, and so it was viable at the moment that I that it was inside my body as semen. You know, mm-hmm. so like all of a sudden I can't masturbate because it was viable that whole time. So viability, I think, needs to be thrown out off the bat. Uh, the other problem that I see is with the pro life community that uh, that wants to outlaw abortion but not investigate miscarriages this is one of my favorite <laughs> spicy takes that you have so, so dive into this so basically I, you're saying if you're pro-life you want to make abortion illegal because it's yeah. murdering 
an unborn child. Yes. The, and implicit is that the moment of conception, this is a full person with rights. So we'll call that first degree murder. Yes. And, and if you chose to kill it, that would be first degree murder. And okay. it's from the moment of conception. None of this first trimester garbage. Is what this is what seems okay. to be like a thrust of the well, what's wrong with that charlie well what i don't see them advocating is for the opening of tens if not hundreds of thousands and millions of fbi cases into criminal negligence of women who have had miscarriages now it doesn't mean that the fbi would conclude that every woman who has had a miscarriage was criminally negligent definitely not but if the woman was found to have a really bad habit or to smoke a lot or to be drinking a ton that you would then have all of these women who in the same way that if you had a two-year-old and you filled the house with smoke and it died of emphysema that mother would go to jail for criminal negligence mm -hmm. that is the house of this in this world fully fledged citizen person baby right so if it's a fetus then no issue it's Doesn't your matter. body yeah and you're allowed to give yourself lung cancer you're allowed to smoke if it's an unborn person with rights the second it's conceived then you would go to jail. You need to have a non-negligent household. Yeah. Uh, in just the same way. And if you don't feed your child, right? If if like if let's say that you're anorexic and you and then you you have a miscarriage because of that. If you were to not feed your child when it was two weeks old out of the womb, you would go to jail, right? No questions asked. You that that is criminal negligence. But we don't investigate that. Mm -hmm. in the same way. And I don't hear any Republicans or pro-lifers calling for the opening of millions of, of cases of, of that. So there's, there's real inconsistency here. Uh, so I see it, I see it on that end. And of course the, the question that I, the viability thing is, oh, you know, only that's when it's your, viable. That's your counter pro-choice. That's argument. my counter. Well, my viability is the counter pro-choice argument, which yeah. is, it, well, one, it's, it's, I, it's never viable. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's either never viable or it was always viable, so but it's not can... at, it's not so at your one trimester. Is, you're, you're basically unconvinced by the argument that at eight weeks, <clears throat> abortion's okay, but at one year old out of the womb, yeah, why? it's not okay. You're yes. saying if it's okay at eight weeks, from purely from a, it can survive on its own perspective you're unconvinced it's not okay to abort yes a nine-month-old who's crawling around yes if that is the argument if that's i'm argument. not saying i will this is the thing that philosophers always get in trouble for because if you exempt a moment of a philosopher talking he'll be like why can't we kill all the babies yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's this is uh to establish premises and, and you're principles. saying what, what principle is driving us yes if it's viability mm -hmm. the natural outcome is this mm -hmm. if it's it's an unborn person from the moment of conception the natural outcome of that principle is criminal negligence cases yes so basically you're saying neither argument to your mind that we've discussed so far has a philosophically sound consistent yeah. principle that it uses to inform the decision yes it seems like people pick their side and then come up with the best reasons for their side yes okay yes. have you ever heard a principle that you did find to be consistent and compelling or you're just saying that so far both sides have left you unconvinced that anyone is operating on anything besides bias? I think, I think they're based on, I, I think what they both have is a flawed, implicit premise, which is that you either are or aren't a person. That's what I think it comes down yeah, to, yeah. is that there's that there's a moment of conception or that the second trimester and it, and it all of a sudden... So what you're or, or, or emergence from the birth canal is when it like switches from a fetus to a baby in that instant. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're kind of saying there's no good rule all the principles that you're using are flawed. So because, this is a spectrum. No, no, because they're all flawed because they all assume that there's a moment where you go from not having a soul, not counting, to instantaneously this counting. This is what I'm saying. So it's a spectrum, and we just have to pick an arbitrary line because yes. we need laws. Yes. 
And so what, yeah, yeah, and I'll elaborate on what you said, but that's exactly it, is that uh, right now, my future child counts as effectively a zero, right? We don't take my future child's decision. Because as far as we know, I'm no allowed one, to eat junk food, yeah. keep a dirty Just house. Clarify, no one's pregnant. <laughs> no one's that's pregnant. All he knows that's why he's saying it's a zero. Yes. It's not like one week due, you know? Yeah, yeah. By eight month old, <laughs> pregnant doesn't. No, no one's pregnant to our knowledge. So yes. So it, that's it's a zero. A zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were to get someone pregnant, somewhere around there, the process of this separate being becoming a person and mattering begins. Mm-hmm. And it is a, you can say it's a line, it might be exponential, but there is no moment at which it matters. So what you have, and I think the Supreme Court kind of recognizes, is you're weighing the rights of what you might call a, well, a fully-fledged citizen in the case of the mother. An adult citizen. An adult citizen with the growing rights of this unborn child slash fetus. Uh, and I don't know at what point it becomes a definite one. But the other thing that I think is implied in this is that if I look to the decisions that we as a society make about who lives and who dies, we also don't seem to have the scale between zero and one, meaning it doesn't just go like you're not a citizen, you don't matter to, you are a citizen, you do. Clearly, there are citizens that we think matter more, right? Like if it was... Uh, there are secret servicemen who will jump in front of the president. That's mm-hmm. not a one-for-one one trade. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a one for something more than one. Mm-hmm. When uh, if if somebody uh, says, "Look, you know, you get this horrible philosophical thing where somebody comes in your house and says somebody has to die. Grandpa's ninety-five years old on his last leg upstairs, and there's me in the other room and uh, a little boy in the other room. Who's it going to be?" I think without saying it, we all understand. It's going to be grandpa, <laughs> you know, like that there is that there is a waxing and a waning of one's claim to inalienable uh, life, liberty, pursuit of property. That still doesn't mean that you should kill grandpa, but that if you get into the very real and these happen decisions where you're choosing between people, it's not always equal. Mm-hmm. And then so I ask, oh, say, how do we make these decisions? Because this is occurring. We're making these yeah. arbitrage decisions all the time. By the way, the number one place that our government <laughs> makes that decision is foreign versus U.S. citizens. Yes. Because yes. if you look at just actions, if you just tune out all the words people say, clearly the U.S. government does not value U.S. lives and non-U.S. lives the same, mm-hmm. just based on the actions of it. So it's definitely not something where our government has said that all human life is equal yes of equal value yes and we as a society seem to expect that when we dropped a a precision strike on the second in command of iran and killed his entire bodyguard group of people i didn't hear any outrage about the fact that there was some no-name dude who was killed Mm -hmm. right it wasn't like that is an important human that you know it was as soon as you're a foreign citizen we don't care as a society and so i'm just trying to almost unpack and describe what goes into the background of all of our assumptions of who matters, who doesn't, how much do they mm-hmm. matter? And so it seems, you know, do I know them? Do I relate to them is one of the big things. That's how, a huge one. That how old are they? How much life do they have left to live as an mm-hmm. expectation? You could make, imagine two 30-year-olds, right? One of them has uh, been given one month less to live due to uh, metastatic brain cancer, which has infected everything, and one of them doesn't. And the same crazed gunman comes into the house and says, one of you has to die without... We, we know what to do there, right? We know, or we, it seems to me that we would all come to similar conclusions. Mm-hmm. 
So when I think about this, it seems like what, what determines personhood is all these other factors. How much is someone left to live? But one of the key things is uh, love. And this is cheesy and you can't legislate around love, but how much that person loves other people and is loved by other people or counted on or depended on seems to have a huge influence on their personhood. Such as, and this has happened, that there was a woman who was, I believe, several months pregnant, like seven or eight months pregnant, who was in a car accident with a drunk driver. He hit her, and she lost the fetus unborn baby. Should that man be tried for murder? And I believe he was tried for man he was tried for well, manslaughter. He was tried for manslaughter. And I found that to be reasonable and consistent because that mother loved that baby. Hmm. But you can imagine that there could be a mother or even that same mother uh, in in a world where abortion is happening. Let's just say it was the first trimester, you know, two months, and she loves that baby. And and all of these things are waxing and waning. It's not on, off, one, one's zero binary. But if she was on her way to get an abortion. I was just going to say that. And and that guy hits her. Should he be tried for manslaughter? And you go, well, it's the same baby, you know, let's, and just pretend this is all the hypothetical exercise. Pretend we live in a world where you can get an abortion, just say it's three months, four months old. That's the world that we live in. And she's on her way on three months and 29 days to get the abortion. She gets T-boned by this guy. Should that man be tried for manslaughter? It seems to me that the answer is no, mm-hmm. because what that unborn child fetus didn't have is it lacked love. <laughs> no one wanted that baby. Now, of course, there's some inalienable thing that goes in there as well, and I think that you need to. There is a sanctity of human life that we uh, we don't clearly just go around killing anybody. Yeah, willy-nilly. certainly, you wouldn't justify the murder of a five year old by saying no one loved it. And you can't just walk up to grandpa's room and kill him because you're like, I would like this room. Right. So you're not, you're not advocating that, but you're <laughs> no. saying in the realm of making rules for abortion, these are all the factors that come into play it's, for whether or not an abortion yes. should or shouldn't be allowed. And we're all over the place, but you could imagine that woman driving to buy that same three-month and 29-day-year-old, the, f- the first pair of pajamas mm-hmm. that it's ever going to wear, and should that be treated differently? Now, morally, it seems to me that we know that it should, mm-hmm. right? We, we have these moral intuitions, which I th- it, that's all we have are moral intuitions. Legally, I don't know that you can have a legal system set up around like there's, you know, there's zeros and then there's a scale and we have to check it every time. And some people are uh, we get it. Some people are worth more than others. And we we don't say it, but we all recognize it. Like legally, you've got these lines and they occur several times at age 18. You are an adult, which is insane. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden, you it's know, not at age, be based on IQ at or age maturity 16, test or you anything can else. drive. Yeah. Like I know some 16 year olds that couldn't drive, shouldn't have been out there. I was probably one of them. But there's also some 13-year-olds that might have done just fine. Sure, some 19-year-olds that are just deadly on the road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the point is that legally... We make up arbitrary we lines. We make up these arbitrary lines and then squabble over them like they have some sort of moral force to them. Mm-hmm. And they don't. There's they're, they're arbitrary. They're convenient for the court system. But to say that your line of a trimester is because the and then backwards rationalize the heart hasn't started beating is to me it's it's disingenuous bad faith arguing that denies your lived experience of how you value life mm-hmm. and everyone i've spoken to values life if they really dig into it on this sort of a spectrum scale mm-hmm. Well, this uh, is why vegans and meat eaters have vehemently violent arguments in the same way that pro-choice and pro-life people tend to do. Because mm. a vegan thinks that you're a mass murderer and a mass torturer if you eat factory farmed meat. 
that you are just on a scale Holocaust level, yeah. torturing and, and slaughtering sentient beings. And if you're a meat eater who thinks that animals and humans are just absolutely binary different, zero and one, incomparable, then that's insane. And you think it's the same as chopping up a potato. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to. Yeah. And so I, before we get off abortion, I do want to speak to one of the difficulties of it, which is that uh, for the mother, assu let's assume that you have sex, condom breaks, the, this baby is now living inside of you. Let's presume that you don't want it. One of the strange things is that oh, if you're a you have this bodily autonomy with this starting at zero growing uh, personhood mm -hmm. inside of you. And the question is, which was is important, you have bodily autonomy, but it only extends so far. Like I can flail my fist and you can't stop me. But if your nose gets in the way, I have assaulted you. <laughs> and we live in this world where the things that we do affect other people. And so this is then this, the question of at what point do the rights of this fetus unborn child eclipse the right of the mother to bodily autonomy? And I don't know the answer because when you look at it, you're like, well, right now it's like four cells. It's a blastocyst. You know, it's like, does that eclipse the right of this woman to choose what to put to, to digest, how to live her life, et cetera. Mm. But all, but we also understand at some level that, look, if you don't want to feed your one-year-old because you have bodily autonomy and you, no one can make you work, like yeah, you're yeah. going to jail for neglect. Well, yeah. And the thing, <laughs> I, the thing I found interesting, just because I've never heard anyone besides you say it, is the, this concept of, let's say that you are, because I know a lot of people, their religion forms their belief about abortion. So let's say you're mm -hmm. religious and you think it's conception because that's what God says. You say this isn't an arbitrary line. It's the moment of conception. This is comes from God. Okay, you should be advocating for a lot of people to go to prison for basically creating an un, uh, unhospitable body mm -hmm. for that soul. Yeah. And I've never heard anyone say that they want that or advocate that. But if you really do think it's a soul, same as any other soul, and you see a pregnant woman smoking, that should be akin to someone stabbing someone to death. Well, to filling their home with smoke. And then if that kid gets emphysema or whatever that would be taken by the yeah. CCP. And if it dies, or is child protective, CPS. CCP is the Chinese Communist Party. Well, they'll take the baby too. <laughs> they'll take the baby too. You only get one. Uh, yes. And I've never heard anyone say that. And it does seem to be what one would set up the rules to be if you started from the idea that it's a soul. Yeah. So these are, these are spicy takes. And I'll, and I'll give you my, my take is that it's messy. That whatever you do, when you legally draw these lines, you are accepting that you're not going to get it right morally. That, that in the name of the convenience of the system and the rules that people can clearly understand, mm -hmm. when you draw a line, you will have issues like you get at age 18, which is there are, eight, there are 16 year olds that deserve the right to vote. They're educated. There are 25 year olds that <laughs> maybe don't, right? Mm -hmm. And that saying that 18 and there are, you know, there are 17 year olds that can make decisions about who they sleep with. There are 25 year olds that are not yet prepared to do so. Mm -hmm. And when you say 18 is the age at which you're an adult, 21 is the, which the age at which you're capable of drinking, you neglect all of that real nuance. Mm -hmm. uh, and the same thing is going to happen with abortion. But I get why it does. You have to make a line somewhere. I get why. All that I'm advocating is for less moralism about where you draw the line to recognize that it's like, look, this is sloppy. This is, this is not a, the, a morally perfect system in any way. Uh, so if you disagree, and I'm sure that some people will with this take on abortion, you can let us know in the comments and we'll try to 
take some of this because this is one of the more interesting conversations we had ongoing was around ethical meat and we mm-hmm. stopped eating <laughs> yeah, yeah it took <laughs> it took some back and forths yeah, actually some yeah. some people and most like i said most of the arguments i didn't find compelling but all it takes is one compelling argument you cancel your subscription yep we stopped eating we stopped eating meat um and the other thing that is important obviously is this idea of a soul but i don't know just that. to be clear fuck yeah. fish <laughs> well, i'm still eating fish <laughs> so anyway that's rbg i've got a couple other big topics this week so i don't know if you know yeah, fire away so Donald Trump, hmm. whoa, is uh, the president, is our president of the United States. Huge news. So critical race theory, uh, people may not be familiar with, but it is exemplified in books like White Fragility, How uh, to Be an Anti-Racist. And it is, you can re- check out James Lindsay on Joe Rogan if you want an explanation of what it is. But it's essentially, it's kind of the animating force beyond the Black Lives Matter ideology. And I don't mean Black Lives Matter protests. I mean the ideology that that set up Black Lives Matter that said that we live in a a system of systemic racism where uh, whiteness is promulgated and- Just want to clarify. So we got Black Lives Matter, the sentiment, the movement, and the organization. You're Mm -hmm. saying critical race theory informs the organization or the sentiment? The organization. Okay. So, okay. The sentiment, I think everyone agrees with. Movement is all the individuals protesting. And then it trickles in there, yeah. You're saying that the organization that is Black Lives Matter that people donate to that has the mm-hmm. website Black Lives Matter is informed by critical race. Yes, theory. and okay. would, and doesn't and that doesn't see that as uh, a problem at at all. No, thinks it's great. Uh, James Lindsay talks about critical race theory, but essentially, what Donald Trump did a couple of weeks ago was he said that if you teach critical race theory in diversity trainings in in uh, the federal or government, you can no longer do that. So we're not going to have any training about. Uh, systemic racism. We're not going to have any training about white privilege. Like those are just an example of some of the buzzwords that are popularized by. He critical said no race federal theory. money will fund these programs. Well, that's what he said. That's no, what he said three weeks ago. Yeah, and then what he said yesterday when that was like, oh wow, that's 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 a big executive order. I think it was yesterday. He said anyone who contracts with the government needs to demonstrate that they do not have these programs being taught in their organization, which is insane. Not and I don't mean crazy like good bad, but I mean wide span. It means that if you're Boeing yeah. and you want to provide fighter jets to the U.S. government, which is probably a huge part of your revenue, mm-hmm. that you can't have a program that talks about uh, the inherent racism of being white or yep. the systematic oppression of uh, whatever. It or might how be. the police is a force that was uh, started to capture and kill black people. Like you, you cannot have any sort of trainings, uh, which are typically classified under diversity training, like that. Uh, and this extends, I don't know if people realize how much government money is spread around and mm. how it's everywhere. I mean, I'm sure Google has contracts. Amazon certainly with AWS has it. Like the biggest companies with per- possible exception of the consumer facing ones like McDonald's, which still might like be servicing the troops, yeah. uh, are affected by and this. And he's not saying that he's gonna, that you have to shut down if you have these training. What he's saying is that if you have this training in your company, we will remove the contract and give it to someone else. Yeah. So to the extent you want to keep it going, you are going to lose any government revenue that you have. Yeah. So I I actually think it would, this has been done. If you guys care, I, I think there's a ton of issues with critical race theory. It's been discussed nonstop on other, in other places. If you want us to talk about it, I don't know that I have anything novel to add to this discussion. But what I do think that I was, I, I'm uncertain, even though I don't like a lot of the teachings in, in critical race theory, I don't know how I feel about the executive order. So my thought, the first thought I had was how the election is shaping up. Because mm-hmm. I feel like Biden has gone hard for the black vote. 
And I think Trump, in my opinion, he is a gamesmanship guy, which is to say, we don't know his actual opinion on a lot of things, mm -hmm. I think, around election season. There's historically, he was a Democrat. He's on record saying certain things about whatever issue. And then when he started to run, all of a sudden, for the first time ever, would share an, a new opinion. And so in my opinion, seeing this, this was Trump looking at Black Lives Matter, waiting to see how it shaped up. Did America rally behind them? Mm -hmm. Did people start to resent it as it starts to spread to their area? And when I saw this, I went, all right, like Biden went for 13% of America, which is the black vote. Yeah, I actually don't even know that that's the fair. I, you, I don't even know that he went for the black vote. He thought he was going for the black vote, but. I'm saying strategically. Yes. I don't think that I don't think every single black person is going to vote for Joe Biden. Donald Trump might do incredibly well with the black vote this election cycle is what it's sort of shaping up to be. Why is that? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't want to speak out of turn with some of the polls, but I don't know that Biden's bet was that Black Lives Matter was directly representative, representative. of the black yeah. uh, voting block. And I don't know that that's shaped up to be the case. Does it split by age? Does it split by wealth? I'm sure it splits by wealth. I'm sure it splits by a lot of things. One of the things, and again, these are all very tentative. So d d compared to the other stuff on this podcast where I feel very safe in my philosophical grounding, take this with a grain of salt. But I did read that people that were in areas where there was rioting and protests, regardless of skin color, are uh, less likely to vote Biden and more likely to vote sure. Trump. Well, sorry, that's what I was saying, though, is I think there's, same as last election, uh, there's a, a very large silent group of Trump voters who will mm -hmm. never go on record saying they're going to vote for Trump and then just show up at the polls, close the curtain, and vote for Trump. And I think with this executive order, he's going to capture more of them, mm -hmm. which is to say no one is going to come out and say, I love this executive order. Uh, not no one, but a lot of people are going to see it, think it, think that they don't like critical race theory, and say nothing to their neighbors, say nothing on social media. But come election day, I think they're going to vote for him. And mm -hmm. I think similarly, in the, in the more progressive community, there's a bit of a push for more socialism and more communist policies and i think a big group that no one is really directly overtly targeting is the latin vote which makes up a huge part of america but a lot of people have come from south america and seen socialism and communism not go so well and so i think that there's going to be a, a big silent voting block of latinos who also vote for trump so when i saw this executive Put this order, on your prediction spreadsheet when i saw this executive order it was the first time that i went we might have the exact same election results, which mm -hmm. is everyone's talking about how Trump has terrible approval ratings and then come election day wins in a landslide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that would be I when I watched the 2016 election, I was like, oh, Donald Trump's force of personality is going to do it. This isn't a charisma analysis, but that, that is my sense, too, is that uh, oh, this is just going to trail on the polls and then win the election. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, this isn't based on the fact that I think he said anything. I also do think it literally just takes one debate to again, I regardless of their politics, think that Trump is a better debater between mm -hmm. the two of them. And so all they have to do is get in the room once or get on Skype once. And I think that's going to help Trump, not because I think he's a good person, but because I think he will zing Joe Biden in ways that Biden cannot cleverly zing back. Well, I'll try to live stream that. Maybe we can yeah. we can watch it. But so, yeah. And, and so I think that uh, for all these reasons, I, I, I am starting to see the same patterns. And I could be wrong. I'm not a political predictor. This isn't what I do professionally, but it just starting to remind me more and more of the last election mm -hmm. where it looked like it was extremely loud Trump haters saying there was no chance he was going to win. And then they were shocked when all these people that they weren't really engaging with silently voted for Trump. Mm -hmm.
I agree. So let's, that, let's see if we can live stream the uh, the thing. I don't know what the rules the are. The debate. Yeah. 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 We can we can chat about it while we do it. Maybe. But so that, that's what I thought when I saw that exactly. Well, I wanted order. to ask you. I, I think there's an even more interesting question of okay, who wins? Okay, that's four years. It matters. But uh, what do you think about the government saying you can or can't teach fill in the blank in your company if you want to receive money? How, how does that strike you? I'm torn because if it's not the government, you would say, let it happen. Like even if there's a big, let's say there's a big company that wants to hire us for charisma recruiting and they're called uh, thirdreich.com mm -hmm. and it will give us a billion dollars as yeah. long as we don't have any Jews, yeah. right? And so like your option is fire me mm -hmm. or not work for them. That's, they're allowed to, well, maybe not because the no Jews is discriminatory, but yeah. they could say something about a training. Like we can't fund certain, we can't donate to a certain nonprofit or something. Not that we're not allowed to, but they just won't give us money. They'll just go with someone else. I think that's allowed. So well, this is the problem: is that both sides. What you're not allowed to do, and this is the this is the issue, is you're not allowed to discriminate based on the basis of race, gender, etc. So the whole argument comes down to, and Donald Trump's executive order said this: this is discriminatory based on race. This is this is what he called scapegoating, and somebody wrote it for him, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is scapegoating one particular race and blaming yeah. the ills of America on them. So this is discriminatory, and we already have statutes against this. This is done. But of course, the other side says it's discriminatory to say that you can't do this. So mm -hmm. weirdly enough, we have this law that both sides are saying exactly protects them. Them, yeah. Uh, and that I, I I don't know how to handle that because in your case, what you were describing, you wouldn't be allowed to do. You couldn't say no Jews, right? No, no private company can say, hey, come give us a training, but just make sure no Jews show up. That is illegal. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel. But what it comes down to, unfortunately, is like let's imagine that the training that they were saying was uh, we are going to say that it's training to recognize that all lives are important. And I don't mean with regards to black lives. I mean foreign lives, U.S. lives. And this is going to help you see that uh, your neighbor in Mississippi is not actually more of a human or closer than your neighbor down in Ciudad Juarez or something, or in Argentina, Iraq. Iraq. Um, and you could like, what if the, the government put the kibosh on that? What if, what if there's a new social system that hasn't been tested that comes up that says, we're going to, Hey, what we want to organize society like this, and it's going to work. And, uh, but you can't teach that in any sort of organization. It makes me nervous because the whole reason that I, and this is the problem, the whole reason that I liked the executive order is because of the contents of it, mm -hmm. but not because of the structure where well, I like mandates from on high about what you can't say. What if a company makes a training mandatory that says that foreign lives don't matter? Like maybe the issue is that companies shouldn't be able to mandate training. Because what if Apple says that if you're going to work here, you have to go in for an hour every day. But they do mandate training. I mean, you have to take uh, like engineering training, right? Well, That's what I'm saying. So maybe there, maybe the issue is letting politics get into companies. I'm not saying that's the case, but what if what if Amazon specifically was just saying they're going to have a training about how foreign lives don't matter? Mm -hmm. You think the government should step in or you think every Amazon employee has to sit down for an hour a day and learn about how Middle Eastern lives are valueless? Uh, well, I think this is the problem with setting up these laws. You're like, there's not a clear line between what is politics and what is not politics. So yeah. of course you want to be able to train people. You're like, what, I'm not allowed to teach my people engineering? Well, guess what? Master slave is a term that is used in in programming. And that's where this whole critical race theory finds its way in. It says, no, you're already political. And quite frankly, it's right. Everything is political. Everything has uh, a worldview embedded within it 
that that is often goes unstated and unchallenged. So yeah, I don't have an answer to this, but I did have the sense that like, I don't know if this is a freedom of speech issue or well, if he's not saying you can't do it. He's saying you can't. So like, let's say Amazon did have that mm -hmm. training and you disagree. You think that lives in the Middle East are just as valuable as lives in the US. You would have to find a different job, right? Mm -hmm. But you could go do that. Well, you can't, to be clear, like you're not, there, there are things that a, a company, a private company cannot do. For instance, the, there's the the wedding cake with the gay people. Like you have to make that cake for them. You are not allowed to discriminate based on this, that, or the other thing. So this private company, the government has already said what you can and can't say to a degree within your organization. You do not have absolute freedom. Uh, and so I, I just don't know how that squares with with all of this. And what I come down to is like, yeah, I like them banning the things that I don't like, and I don't like them banning the things that I do like. And yeah. that's a really unprincipled position that's where everyone is <laughs> falling on this issue yeah yeah that's where everyone that's how everyone feels about this executive order yes and so what i try to imagine is like let's just pretend that this executive order was uh for something else saying that the teaching of philosophy in in your organization is anti-american in well, some way you're gonna dislike a lot of what the government does though mm -hmm. like i'm just trying to see if i if i was master of the world and i was donald trump do I like this executive order or don't I? Even if I even if I would prefer that people didn't teach critical race theory the way that it's being taught in these organizations, mm -hmm. would I have issued the order? And I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm ambivalent. People hate this <laughs> sometimes, but I don't really have the answer. Yeah, yeah. I was curious if you, well, would you do it? Your president, somebody puts this in front of your face. They say, look, these are federal funds. This is a, this is a, the public is funding this. The nation is funding things that subvert the idea of, capitalism and democracy and all these kinds of things like we got to stop spending money on it i don't know a lot about critical race theory so i don't know sure. about that issue but if i thought it was something that was like evil and bad for the populace isn't mm -hmm. that kind of the president's job is to a bit be the dad of the country which yeah. is to say some of you don't want to go to war some of you do mm. i think the best thing for our nation is to go to war so guess what we're going to war yeah like I don't care if 49% of you are against it. I'm the dad of the country. It's what I or do. Or even if 60% of you are against it. Yeah. And so I, and so it's kind of like if I'm the president and I do think something is evil, do I make an executive order to stop it? I do as much diligence as I can to determine if I'm correct in thinking it's evil. But then, yeah, I think that's why I was elected, right? Yeah. Was, is to lead the country for four years so that it's better than when I leave. And so if I thought that something was this insidious anti-American, going to destroy our country from within thing, isn't that what my job is? Yep. Is to stop it? And what I have to accept, and I think you're right, is that you could be wrong. You know, you, yeah. you, you could get it wrong. I can just do it to the best of my ability. Yep. But I think that's why I'm elected. The problem with the country is that it's super big and divided right now. Mm -hmm. So I think that anything that any president does is going to be hated by a big part of the population. That's the problem. But I think the president's job is basically... I'm supposed to leave the country in a better place than where I found it. I'm supposed to do right by the country as far as I feel like I can. And make decisions, and this is, I guess, what it is, that that are not implied by any sort of systemic structure that says, no, you can't, like, you, you've imposed certain rules on me. I can't, uh, I'm not the Supreme Court. I'm not the legislative branch, but you've given me these powers, and I am supposed to do what I think is make best. Make decisions that are different from someone else given these sets of powers. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. Um, that that the the very fact that there are three branches is intended to be the check on all of this. It's like, look, you gave me executive orders. This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, and it and they're going to be particular to my 
worldview and I'm going to try my best, but it's going to be different from someone else's worldview. And I, I'm history might look back on me and go, yeah, and what you're hoping that for, one this is why the elect, this is why we have elections. You're hoping that people elect an intelligent, moral person that makes decisions that we like, but that's, that's that, we, that are good for us, I guess. <laughs> Forget that we like. Yeah, sure. Um, so no, I think that's the president's job. Yes. So, okay. So we got another big thing. So we've talked in the past about quotas, mm-hmm. California, uh, I think, I don't know if it passed. It was to be signed by Gavin Newsom. They passed the thing, and I'll just read briefly. The legislation would require corporate boards to include at least one board member by the end of the year who self-identifies as black, African-American, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, Pacific Islander, Native American, Native Hawaiian, or Alaska Native, or as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. It's called AB 979. Mm. A similar quota has already had apparently already passed in 2018 for women. Uh, for women. Mm-hmm. Um and I wanted to talk about this. Now, this is it dovetails with their critical race theory, but you can hop in. I think that this is crazy. <laughs> uh, do you want me to begin, or would you sure, like? Yeah, to? I have thoughts on it, but go ahead. It's too narrow, <laughs> which is to say that th- these types of legislation. One, I don't think that the reading of history is complete, but let's but let's assume that there are groups, and I think it's safe to say that uh, on average have experienced things that have stopped them from moving into attendant positions of power. Sure. Let's go with Native Americans. Sure. Fair enough. Like, I, let's let's just, for the sake of argument, let's say there's no argument about that. Uh, I had listed a handful of other groups that I think that are have that same issue. Sure. Let's go with people with an IQ under 85. Yes. So that's one. And you could argue, okay, well, they're going to screw up the organization. But it's like, okay, well, I, we're already not judging on merit. We're judging on people who have historically been discriminated against it's passed uh through a lineage just the same way that any sort of thing but what about uh people who are short i mean there's plenty of studies out there that show you if you look at presidents they're all over six feet tall recently you know for the last 30 years we're about uh, conventionally unattractive yeah i've got don't worry i got that's my number two man oh, okay <laughs> but anyway i'm gonna elaborate so height is one of those things for every um ceos on average are taller than people there's absolutely discrimination that occurs based on height and it mm-hmm. is not related to IQ. It's related to the how people respond to you. Yeah, subconscious, uh, subconscious discrimination. Sure, attractiveness, conscious slash subconscious. But certainly, if somebody came in with a deformed half of their face, you don't see very many CEOs that are burn victims. Mm. You know what I mean? They they haven't had half of their body scarred. Um, they tend to be above average attractive. Of course, there's accent. You've but you've got within the U.S. and without. I imagine that if you were to move up into the highest echelons of San Francisco boards, there's not a lot of Mary Sue's with the Dixie accent from Alabama there, right? That probably is something that you find is is difficult to break through or and, or, or Bobby Lee or whatever he is, you know. Uh, you've got geography, right? There's probably not a people from Appalachia in some of the highest echelons of government out mm-hmm. there. Let's see what else we got. Hold on. I got a phone call. Geography, uh, if you were raped, if you were burned, if you were a victim of child abuse or you had That's an alcoholic mother or father, again, these are these things that predispose if, you to not what succeed. You, what if your parents did drugs while you were in the womb and then you're yes. born and you are born disadvantaged? Yeah. Just, just objectively disadvantaged. No, there's not a lot of government push to get you to show equity sure. in success. Sure. Here's one. Uh, jail for a crime that is no longer a crime. Now, this is one I just wanted to capture the idea that, okay, well, some of these things have been discriminated against in policy by the government, 
right? It's like, okay, well, how about someone who went to jail <laughs> for a crime that was later removed from the books? And how about their descendants? How about their family members who were obviously impacted by the fact that they spent time in jail for smoking weed or whatever it was, you know, and it, that that they oughtn't be. That is, sure. uh, we got IQ. But anyway, I, I've got tons of these that you could you could think through all the ways in which our government discriminates we as a society discriminate so you're saying the list is arbitrary in your mind the list is so narrow it says we've got these hot button issues which are gender race and sexual orientation and we act like those are the only three limiting factors that we as a society and as a government have placed on people's upward mobility mm -hmm. and i don't disagree that we have <laughs> to a degree and actually there's some categories which i would disagree that that i don't that i think it's overly simplistic to say this group didn't have the same chance but like dude where is jewish <laughs> on this list there was a holocaust 70 yeah, yeah. years ago like it's how many generations need to pass before before that's not an issue uh and then you go okay well the jewish population isn't currently suffering and then you go, okay well then i need to apply that same thing to every single one of these yeah. right like well you know that's my philosophy i think we should try to help people based on how much they're currently in need of help so what this i mean this is the problem with quotas is that when you really think about it and you realize how narrow the quotas are, you have to open it up to life experience. And it just logically, you have to treat people as individuals. And I didn't put, you know, tendency towards oppression on here or, or you know, a suicide of a loved one or like getting hit by a car when you were seven years old and losing function of your right arm. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many things that can't be legislated. It's just like treat people as individuals. And what I think would happen if we did that is that you would see that the person from the inner city, regardless of their of their skin color, who made it out of a really bad neighborhood through like hard work and effort, but maybe didn't have the same grades, is like, dude, that's a person that I'm interested in. That's a level of grit. And if it turns out that's a black woman, awesome. Or a white dude, awesome. Like, yeah. Or a, a gay or a trans, it doesn't matter uh, because those don't necessarily need to always be the salient traits, but we have elevated them to a, a deified position in our society that is insane to me. Um, and I can elaborate, but I, I've talked a lot. I want No, I mean, I don't disagree. I think that the one thing I also think is interesting that we talked about when we talked to uh, the guy last week that worked at the LGBTQ media company is I think that all this stuff is going to be gamed. So when you read it, the thing I picked up on the most was self-identifies as, mm. right? So you listed out all those things. Okay, so board of directors, six-figure job, fairly cushy, not a lot of hours, very coveted, right? You're saying that I can get this position if I identify a certain way. Are you going to tell me that I'm not? Who's going to tell me that I'm not whatever I identify as? Yeah. Because if you set up an incentive system that rewards people for identifying a certain way, some people are going to try to game that system. Not mm -hmm. most. But that, to me, is one of the biggest issues with, with this stuff. I don't know why it wouldn't be most. Uh, you know what I mean? Anybody, anybody with a plausible claim Sure. Towards any of these things. One eighth. I mean, well, Elizabeth, said, this is the Elizabeth Warren thing is like she I'm, said she was Native American. Why did she say that? Because there's there's social advantage mm -hmm. to that. Like, did she did she identify the other seven or eight great grandparents that she had by their ethnicity? No, she took the one that was most socially advantageous to her. Well, this is what I was just going to say, too. Like, we act like race <laughs> is this weird binary, except there's a lot of them. So I don't know what the word is, but this weird, like discrete, discrete thing, right? You are black. You mm -hmm. are white. What if I'm 10% something? Mm -hmm. What if I'm 10% of a lot of different things? Who is going to tell me what I am? Because Joe Biden. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing, right? like, okay. So let's say I went to an upper class. I was born into the upper class. 
I was, I, my parents paid for me to go to an Ivy League school. My resume is impeccable and I'm 3% black. Yeah. And I look like me. Mm -hmm. And I tell you that I identify as black because my great, 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 great grandfather was a slave mm -hmm. who was, uh, or maybe grandmother was a slave who was raped. And that's how it happened. Are you as the company going to tell me I'm not black enough mm -hmm. to fill your black quota? It seems like a very strange thing to to have legislated. Yeah. Uh, and I think the the there's an even overarching point, which is like, who is this benefiting? Who is this screwing? And you always have to assume that uh, the government and mass movements are not on the side of the little guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You always have to presume that like this is protecting power in some way. So there's there's an interesting analysis there. But the last thought that I have, and, and then we can come back to that perhaps, is that you you don't see the push. People asked us for our hot takes right last week, and we actually didn't get a chance to record it. Um, and maybe I'll speak about that at length later. But the short answer is that you don't see people pushing for equity, equality of outcome in the lowest echelons of society, which is to say that we want, you know, there's a bill in 2018 in California that says women need to make up 50% of the, the positions on a public company's board. I think but it's three-eighths. Three-eighths, sure. okay. But they don't need to make up three-eighths of the homeless population, which is 75% men. They don't need to make up three-eighths of, of the assaulted or murdered population, which is 80% men. Uh, they don't need to make up three-eighths of the garbage men. They don't need to. And so what you see in this is that there's, there's, if there were an honest push for equality, I could be more interested in it and like, tell me more. But when you're only optimizing for the top and not for the bottom, I have to go, well, you don't really want equality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what you want is advantage. Uh, and I'm not, a, and if anybody disagrees, write in the comments. This is, this is something that I've thought a lot about, but uh, might have missed something. But yeah, like you don't see a push for equity in suicides. You don't see it a push for committing a violent crimes. Like why don't women commit more murders? What have we failed them as a society that men commit 95% of the murders? Like mm. we need to get more knives into the hands of more women <laughs> out there. It's just insane. Um, and I don't see that. I, don't, I only see quotas around a very limited parameter of things and only in the absolute upper echelons mm -hmm. of society. And I think that exposes it as an unprincipled philosophy that, that isn't truly aimed at the thing that it says that it's aimed at. Which would be equity in all areas. Well, why not? If you want to, uh, equality doesn't have a caveat to it. Equality mm -hmm. is equality. And that's what I'm often told, yeah. right? And so you're saying if we're going to go for equality of opportunity then you don't have to look at the quotas. You just have to give everyone a fair Everyone shake. needs a knife. <laughs> and you need to have equal access to guns and knives. And if yeah. more men do more murders. And, and you're saying that uh, <laughs> if we're going to look at outcomes, we should look at outcomes across the board at yeah. all the outcomes. Which seems like a stale, boring take, quite frankly, because it's said so many times. But I continue to see it cropping up in legislation. It's like, I don't wear have these people never encountered these types of arguments? I would. I'd be so fascinated to speak to a legislator of like, why didn't you include attractiveness in that bill? Why didn't mm. you include height in that bill? Or why did you start with the board of directors? Why didn't you start with any other area like why, janitors? Why aren't you trying to make sure that as many women are murdered by cops as men? Because 95% of the people murdered by cops are men. Like, I don't know why you don't want equality more evenly spread. Uh, why not have male only homeless shelters so we can get more men off the street and we can get it back to three eighths or 50 50? Uh, I've never heard any of that, and it does. It, it it indicates to me that there's not a genuine interest in equality. 
um, there's a genuine interest in advantage. And then for the people that don't necessarily, you know, for the white person who is advocating for affirmative action for blacks and Pacific Islanders, that there's political advantage or uh, social advantage in taking that role. Um, so yeah, it seems philosophically weak to me, all of that stuff. And that's one of the people that asked for a controversial take. I can elaborate further maybe later, but yeah, yeah, that's one of them. All right. I've got one more big one. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. Bring in the heat. Uh, Snowden. This is a shorter one. Okay. Snowden was on Joe Rogan. Okay. And the only take that I had is uh, he's, he's just a fascinating dude, man. He is so chill for somebody who's been in exile for seven years. And mm. Joe gives him a number of chances to like shit on the U.S. government. And he just refuses. He's like, you know, there's there's a handful of individuals that made some bad decisions. He's he's so saintly in his in mm. his approach, and so I, I was like, dude, this is our generations of America's Nelson Mandela. If this guy comes back, and I think he will, I think he has a guaranteed walk on spot as a senator of just about any state, mm. uh, and I think he could be president in fifteen years. Uh, he's he's, and I think history will vindicate him. He will come back. And he's just well, got a did, track they, record. They did just Didn't they say that the thing he he whistle blew on was illegal? Yes, but the public's uh, acceptance and him being pardoned. So yeah, they said that it was illegal. So he he didn't commit. Well, he did commit. He he exposed a lie, but uh, or sorry, he exposed a classified thing that was actually illegal yeah. spying by the U.S. It government. Seems, I mean, it's just funny. No one cares about their privacy until mm -hmm. it affects them. Because certainly, you can imagine if he had shown a government program that was murdering babies you think people would be like vehemently fighting for him to come back i'm not sure man i think that i think there's two things i think some issues hit people in their amygdala and some don't and then i think that is aided by the echoes of the news stations and at the time the news stations were mixed about snowden it was mm -hmm. not clear whether he was a good guy or a bad guy and that was my initial take on him was like oh he leaked state secrets and cia agents were killed because of him and like he did some shady stuff. And as as the story was told in its fullness, it turns out the government hasn't, according to him, been able to point to one instance where something bad happened as a result of his leaks. Yeah, that he was my impression. Them, uh, he was so cautious, so careful. And that was not the story when it happened. Mm. And I don't know, you know, you could say that the media had had a reason for that. Well, I think in general, people just don't care about their privacy. I, yes. I think you, you look at, you know, TikTok comes out that TikTok is 80% spyware, 20% <laughs> video streaming app, right? No one cares. I mean, some people deleted the app, but TikTok's, they're selling now for infinite money, right? Like yeah. it's a it's huge billion dollar business. And that's because people just don't care about their face getting recorded, what they type getting recorded. And I think the reason that is, is because being spied on really will not affect you until you try to do something big that goes against the spy. Mm -hmm. So most of the people that TikTok collects data on, they will just use it to market to you, to yep. try to get you to buy stuff. It's only the one that runs for president in 30 years that's going to have every single one of their TikToks combed through by the Chinese government. Yeah, yeah. And then the Chinese <laughs> government is going to determine if they want you as president. Yeah. And if you're 16 right now or 22 right now and you're on TikTok, you better have an agenda that China likes or you won't get to be president. You, most people can't conceive of that. I think George Bush, when he was 19 or 20 years old, was like doing lines of cocaine mm -hmm. and it never occurred to him that he would one day be president. And also he was fine because there was yeah. no cameras out. Yeah. But today when you're the, you're the person who's doing, dude, when I was 19, I uh, 
I had a video of me doing, I don't even remember what it's called, but you like shotgun, you like rip a bong, shotgun a beer, and yeah, then yeah. you exhale the bong afterwards. And I was like, that's hilarious. Yeah. What a dumb thing. <laughs> what a dumb thing to record and put on the internet. We're, I want to defend you. We're the first generation that has had to deal with this. We, we are the first ones. There was nobody above us that we saw going down for their mm -hmm. beer. But George Bush was our president, man. Yeah, and he was the doing guy, the same thing. The guy was doing way worse. He invented it. Way worse than you were ever sure. doing. Sure. No, and I, think, and I think the thing is right now, people still feel like, and I, I have heard this so many times, why do I care if I'm being spied on? I'm not doing anything wrong. And it's like, they're not going to catch you for doing a murder. They're going to catch you for a joke you make in a room full of three of your closest friends mm. where everyone knows you don't mean what you're saying. And they're going to say that you meant it and then you won't get to be president because China doesn't like your policy. Yeah, that's so that's so if 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 30 mm -hmm. years. I mean, people oh, it's can't only even... going to affect a small percentage of the population. It's going to affect the people that want to do big things. Yep. Yep. No, I, and it's it's going to have a massive thing. And I don't think you'll ever be able to convince people until they see. No, quite frankly, because most people won't experience it. This most people in most, circle. 99.99% of people. You'll never convince people that privacy matters. Exactly. They are unaffected, <laughs> it's, it's an impossible They're unaffected set. by their lack of privacy. It's yes. only the people that try to do big things, especially anti-establishment things or anti-power things. Because mm -hmm. then the person that's spying on you is just going to leak the stuff that makes you look bad so you go away. Yep. And so it's a huge issue that holds us back but that no one cares about. And I think that was Snowden's biggest thing is when it came out that he, we were all our phone calls were being recorded. Most people went, okay, well, I'm kind of bitchy or I'm kind of racist or I'm kind of sexist or I'm kind of whatever, but who cares? No one's going to want to look at me. Mm -hmm. And they're absolutely right until they become powerful. I, I, I even want to check you. That nobody thought in 2013, I'm kind of racist because that wasn't a thing that mattered or I'm kind of sexist. That like that, that evolved yeah, yeah, in true. 2016, man. Uh, no, but here's the thing. You catch there was, someone. There was like, I I am not planning a terrorist attack is what they thought in 2013. But someone 10 years ago or even today called a friend gay. Yeah. Because they were trying to put them down and yep. they don't hate gay people at all, but they said gay. And in that instance, they were using it as a negative word, even though in their heart, they actually have no issue with it. It was just a word they said to a friend while they were 17. And that is something that will get them to not get the job they want or not get the elected position they want if... Only if that job is high status. It's high status yeah. and it goes against whoever has the data. Yes, I totally agree. And by the way, if it's high status and if, if you're super pro-China, China's not going to leak your TikTok stuff. Yeah, there was They're the, going to go after your opposition. Just, I mean, to, to put a, an exclamation point on this, there was the kid who in a Google Doc, on he was at that school in Florida that got shot up mm -hmm. in a google doc when he was 15 16 or 17 he wrote the n-word a bunch of times in the comments section they were like these kids going back saying bad words and because With he no was, context that was literally just the n-word just the n-word no context um he was just saying the worst word that he knew like this is what they, they were just being uh, dumb kids They're being shitty yes and it was leaked in my opinion this is obvious because he was the one outspoken kid who was still advocating for gun rights pro second amendment, pro second amendment who was, who was in that school. From a school and so fox news had him on all these people had him on because he was like the perfect representative of that and then what do you know those were leaked if he'd had the opposite opinion he'd have gone to harvard that yeah. never would have been leaked uh and so this is yeah if you disagree with a powerful narrative which quite frankly both democrats and republicans are powerful so if you disagree with one and you run you're already in that you're already in that camp mm -hmm. Uh, and you assume a position of power, it's coming back. Yeah, but I think I think the reason Snowden is still in exile is is the same reason that the U.S. branch of TikTok can still be worth a billion dollars, mm -hmm. which is just that no one really cares about privacy that much. Yeah, yeah. So, what? Well, yeah. What was my take? Snowden, 
national hero probably. I don't know his whole story. I'm going to read his book, but from his own description of himself, he is incredibly selfless. The one miscalculation he made was that people would be more up in arms (laughs) and demand in a way that they didn't. But he still is hopeful for the future, and he seems to be playing the long game, and he sees that there's movement and all this kind of stuff. He's one of Joe Rogan's most popular guests now, two times. Yeah, yeah. So I could definitely see him being president. I mean, he's his integrity is unimpeachable. Like how like every president we've had has been a draft dodger. <laughs> like these are people that have started wars but wouldn't go to war. Like yeah. Edward Snowden did something that no one would do. Yeah, no one in the organization life. ever did. He was the one guy. Yeah. Uh and so like, how do you not just trust that he's gonna do what he thinks is right? Yeah. Uh, which is not what you could say for anybody else. So yeah, he's he might get a breakdown in the future just because I want it when he runs for office and becomes super famous in, in 10 years. <laughs> so anyway, that's my last, that's my last big nice. thing. Wait, you just said something that, that triggered me into, oh, the long, do you want to talk about the long perspective? Yeah. So this is something, so uh, I didn't know this. I guess you said Naval Ravikant says that the, the biggest key to success is just looking five years out, right? He says, he says all of self-help boils down to choosing the long-term perspective over the short term. Got it. Which is to say all the things that help you out. We, uh, we know people who uh, will try to make as much money as possible in the short term by lying in their marketing, this and that. And recently it started to come out against them as people start to publicly shame them as being scammers and try to convince people not to be their clients, basically. And it just reminded us or reminded me of the conversation we had about how nobody is thinking even selfishly, like, how do I set this business up so that in five years, it's in the healthiest position possible. Mm-hmm. Most people are trying to figure out how to make the most money this year or next year. And I thought that was interesting. And I just got reminded of it today because I found out that there's like all over the place. People are starting to pop up slamming this company. Yeah, I'm finally getting old enough that it's becoming more natural. Mm-hmm. Like when you asked me at age 23 to like, dude, think five years in the future. It's like, I can't, five years in the past. That was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that was so long. It's like, there's, how do I know I'll get five more years? I've had enough five years that it's starting to become like, a little bit more natural for me to do that, but it's a fantastic question when you're making even just daily decisions about what to do. Like, should I go this route or this route? Should I hire this person? It's like, what will I wish I had done five years from now? And oftentimes the answer becomes incredibly obvious. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, I'm seeing it play out. It's really nice, honestly, to yeah. know that the universe, while slower than I initially understood it to be, does have retributive forces (laughs) and it's not perfect and there are people that never get what they deserve and there are people who deserve so much better than they get but you see things come back yeah uh and it takes time and and if you're 25 and you're seeing all these successful people flying on jets right now and you're slogging away building this boring business give it five years Mm -hmm. they will be gone i've watched them disappear and they've watched new ones pop up and they'll disappear too uh but if you plan for five years, you can stick around in five years. Then yeah. you can plan for 10 and 15 and 20. The other thing is the, the Wall Street Journal rule. I, I've come to see it's true. It's something like my mom told me once when I was a kid. It's like, don't do or say anything you wouldn't want on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. And it means nothing to you because in your mind, you'll never be on the cover of the Wall mm-hmm. Street Journal. But I'm starting to see like with this company, this this public backlash when you get caught lying. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it, I was like, oh, yeah, when you build a company off of lies, maybe you can steal some money for a year or two years but i mean inevitably i think the truth does come out mm-hmm. so cool let's do questions it's been a long oh, day there's one thing well there's one other thing one other thing i want to bring up at least even if we don't 
have anything to say about it. So Brianna Taylor, the judgment came out against the police and one police officer is found guilty because he fired without a line of sight. So um, basically the chain of events as best I understand it. Granted, this is, I think, not based on body cam footage, but testimony. So feel free to throw it out is they knock. They sell police once they kick down the door. Uh, her her boyfriend yeah. thinks that they're being robbed, uh, fires a shot, hits a cop in the leg, and then all the cops start shooting. One guy didn't really see what was happening and fired through a curtain of a window, which is against regulations. My understanding is that he shot actually like into the next apartment. That was the shot that got him in trouble. Well, he didn't hit her. None of his, the, what, the one cop. No, no, no. The cop, they got, the, the guy that got in trouble, my understanding is he actually shot through into the other, the next apartment over. Oh, that, I thought his bullets went through a wall because he was just spraying. I think he hit through a wall into the next apartment. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. But he, but it was in her window. Regardless. Anyway, I don't know if we have anything interesting to say on this relative to all the other people that have talked about it, but it seemed like should at least bring it up. So I don't know mm -hmm. if you have anything. What I took is that there's that phrase that, um, a lie, a lie has like made its lap before the news even puts its pants before the truth has even put its pants on. There, there's a smarter way to say mm. that that is about the truth has to get dressed and a lie has already made its way around the block. Uh, the no knock thing has been by a separate person discredited. Now, there was a apparently the testimony they have is of the next door neighbor who said they heard them knock and say police. Um, and that's not to say that they like I don't believe that necessarily Brown Taylor's boyfriend heard that, but. Everyone was so convinced this was a no knock. This is a no knock. We got problems with no knock. Now maybe they battering ran too fast, but it's like there was a knock. There's like yeah, yeah. that happened, and so we're we're not even starting from a fact base. And people have such strong opinions. Uh, I repeat it over and over. We st it's weird that we still talk about the news because it's so fallacious and weird. And having a strong opinion about it seems to just take you. You just will be. You'll get so tricked so many times and uh then of course there's also the the problem which you raise but man i've seen training day I like no, exactly you know i know what like training day they, they walk in who shot him he shot him who shot him four cops say you shot the guy you know so what i mean for people what who are haven't seen do? training day it's about dirty cops yeah and so they go into a drug dealer's house because they hear he has money under his floorboards they dig it up they see the money sit him down they shoot him then they put a gun in his hand afterwards and they have him fire gunshots. Yeah. So they say he fired first. Who's going to say he fired first? Yes. All the cops will. Okay, who actually fired first? Yeah. The cops murdered him first. Yes. Which is just to say, we have no idea what happened. And they think- Except that, the one witness that I take credibly is the next door neighbor. Now, of course, there could be a hundred different things. He could be paid off. I've seen all the crime movies and yeah. I don't think that they're outlandish in that people will say things to get themselves out of trouble. But it's like, even that official report is- uh, dubious i'm not in louisville kentucky i wasn't there for me to have such a strong opinion on these things that i'm not there for is why i prefer philosophy mm -hmm. because at least philosophy we're starting from first principles um the news you're constantly relying on somebody who is not does not have your informed interest as their guiding principle mm -hmm. so yeah what is my sense maybe that's what happened maybe they didn't knock at all like maybe it's maybe it's a total cover-up i have no way of knowing mm -hmm. um and that's my take. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, try, I try to avoid the news. No, it's it's also, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's obvious that it's a tragedy to have somebody come into a home of someone who hasn't committed a crime, shoot them. Oh, death. yeah, it's all screwed up. Uh, then you get to the next layer of tragedy happens by accident sometimes, and mm -hmm. it happens maliciously sometimes. And so everybody has a strong opinion on which one, but we don't really know what happened, right? If you're a police officer 
who goes and it turns out they went to the correct address. It's the other thing. People were saying the cops went to the wrong address. Are you sure? No, they, they were given the incorrect address. They went to the address that the warrant had. And the, so the, the reason the that problem. They, so how come the clerk who wrote the warrant <laughs> isn't in there? Well, they warranted that address because I guess the criminal had gotten mail there. The criminal they were looking for had gotten mail there once Somebody a while somewhere ago. somewhere made a mistake. Yes, this is what I was... How come that person isn't on trial? Well, so I'm saying. That person wasn't the... for the When it comes to which address they went to, those police went to the right yes. address. Then if they do kick down the door, get shot at, and return fire, my question is, what would you have them do differently? Because even if you think that that's something that should never happen, it's they didn't they followed the protocol, which is you return fire when you get fired on. Yeah. Maybe the answer is everyone needs a bulletproof SWAT shield and a baton and no cop has a gun. Mm -hmm. And we can play out what that would mean in terms of effectively fighting crime. We could change the rules. Um, and then maybe there's a world where they just kicked it down and shot black people because they're just like murderous rapists or racists. But uh, we don't know. And like, it certainly seems plausible that they kicked down the door, got shot at, returned fire. And then it's weird to me to march on the well, street. And I just want to say, it also makes total sense if I'm sitting in my house with my girlfriend and I have a gun and somebody yells anything, police, I don't care. They bust down the door and yeah. there's four dudes it's, there. If I have a gun, the whole point of that gun is to shoot into that door. Yeah. Like, if you don't, you're crazy. So this is what I'm saying. So what, so what if it's a tragedy where everybody acted exactly as you would expect them to mm -hmm. and almost as you would tell them to? Well, then you go, okay, what's up with the system? Yes, exactly. And so it seems strange to me that the marches... All the signs say arrest the cops. the cops that shot Breonna Taylor instead of change the rules that got Breonna Taylor tragically shot. And the question is, what rules? I think the most fundamental, obvious one is that drugs should be pretty freaking legalized. There should be places where you can do them legally. We should tax the ever living shit out of it. Sure. And then we, no should, we should drain the cartels of their funding. This seems like. And then there'd be no drug dealers, which means that there'd be no drug dealers having no knock warrants issued. Sure. Yeah. It's a great solution. I, I think. It seems like the only one that to me is seems uh, like it's been tested in other countries. Mm -hmm. it, it, we, we've done this with prohibition and we've seen, OK, well, you can have a ton of crime around alcohol or you can have way less crime around alcohol. You can sure. have an entire mafia that is built up. Or and, you'll you can still, just dismantle way, it. and you'll still have tragedies like when a drunk driver kills yeah, yeah. a woman. Uh, People will shoot up and die. And and uh, what I'm saying is it's just it's it's interesting to me that if you if you don't get the problem right, you don't come up with the right solution. Mm -hmm. And so there's either two problems. Po those police are viciously racist and wanted to shoot a black person to death, even though he hadn't committed or a crime. Let, let's steal man it that because they were in a poor neighborhood, were more likely to do it than they would in a different neighborhood. And, you know, just th th that, that, that this idea uh, that the systemic racism is what is driving it. The fact that sure. it was a black neighborhood is what made them trigger happy. Or that the rules are set up so that you have four people barging into a door that might be the wrong door. Yeah. And they're told if you get fired on, fire back. Mm -hmm. And maybe we don't want those rules, which what does that mean? Maybe you can only have a warrant if you're willing to bet your life on it that it's the right place. And so if you do accidentally shoot the wrong person, you're going to go to jail even though you did the right thing because you went to a place you weren't 100% sure of. And we'll arrest less drug dealers, but we'll put the cops more accountable. And potentially have more dead cops. Yeah. The, no, the no, no. I'm saying you, you, you break in and if someone shoots you, you can still shoot them back. Mm -hmm. But if you get it wrong and the person wasn't a criminal, you just have agreed that you're going to go to jail. No, no, no. but I mean, you're, oh, what that is incentivizing is less return fire, which means that or just less showing up. I think it, what that incentivizes sure, sure. is just don't don't go until you're 100 percent sure. Yeah, yeah. And then more criminals will be out in the country. What I'm saying is you can kind of like extrapolate out the different 
results of the different policies. And you can come up with, okay, if we legalize drugs, what's going to happen? If we say you don't go until you're a thousand percent sure that it's the right address, what will happen? If we say you go and get guns, if you're a cop, you get a bulletproof shield and a baton, what will happen? And you can like run through all of these and have uh, an understanding of which future you want the most. But it does seem strange to be mad at, if the story is as they tell it, to be mad at the anyone in the situation instead of at the system and the rules, which is to say like still protest, but just have your signs say, change the laws. Well, yeah, so I think that there's, even within that, this question is, okay, what's the problem with the system? And one people say the system is racist, mm-hmm. and other people say that the system is broken, but race didn't play into it. Uh, and so even then, you have the disagreement over what the actual problem is. Mm-hmm. I Where I fall back to is like, dude, there's one area that I feel safe. It's that the increased legalization of drugs would would probably solve a ton of problems, not least of all in Mexico, where they, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Where they have horrific gang violence. Uh, and you know, and we're funding all of these opiate people in Afghanistan. It's just like find a way to put this into the hand of some greedy U.S. company, and then tax the ever living daylight out of it, and have a place where people can go, offer them support, and like, are you ready to not do this anymore, man? Like, is this this ain't working out for you so well? Uh, sure. And then maybe you have decreased crime and decreased violent crime, which actually means you need less police, which means you can defund the police and have less police on the streets, and you get more without, tax revenue without endangering. Now, of course, citizens now, of course, this all needs perfect, to be tested obviously. on a small scale. But uh, we've started, for instance, with marijuana to legalize it in certain states. And as far as I can tell, all that you have is less crowded prisons, less stupid bullshit people going to jail for stuff that they oughtn't be going to jail for and increased tax revenue in every single state that is selling marijuana. So it's like, that's a good start. Can we go a little bit further with something? Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, the war on drugs seems patently stupid yeah no my, my take on the brianna taylor thing is it's a horrible tragedy and i have no idea what the facts are mm-hmm. because just relying on testimony yep so let's do questions first question is at age 10 i wasn't afraid to try new things at age 27 i feel pressure everywhere how can i relax and truly find peace in myself in this world of hustle and bustle i think that's really common yeah i think that's kind of what society does yeah, it breaks you down yeah it makes you fear failure. Mm-hmm. We day three of uh, emotional mastery is an inner child meditation, which is exactly for this. In short, you it's it's a guided exercise that I, I walk you through, but to talk to that inner part of your psyche that is that young person, and often that part is like you described, uh, excited, can do new things, less fearful. And to get in touch with that, because there's been so much layering of re- social fear of rejection and what will happen if I fail that has gone on. So I think I do think that the exercise of of communicating with your inner child is is very helpful. And oftentimes you'll find that the advice that it gives you when you can start that internal dialogue sounds silly. It's like we need to uh, like spin around more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we need to twirl more. And you're like, that's dumb. Like give me something more practical about how to have fun. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, like, no, you kind of have to listen. And, and th- these are the keys that unlock that openness to try new things and, and the zest that has probably been lost in life. Um, so that's, that is one good way. Do you have any other? Was the issue to, was to be more playful or to, to try new things? Sorry, to try new things. What I meant is that that playfulness, oh, no, no, to, that playfulness is often um, 
a chain in the link of trying new things because it's it's from playfulness that trying new things tends to occur. Is the trying new things from a fear of failure? Do they talk about what prevents them from trying new things? I don't think that they necessarily, um, or they, at least they didn't say if they necessarily want to go back to to being fearless, but more so um, to find a similar sense of peace hmm. as you have when you're a child where I guess you don't worry about as much. Interesting. I mean, meditation is the obvious cliche answer for internal peace. Mm -hmm. I also think to some extent it's the media you consume. So like I'm listening to the Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. I think that's probably helpful versus watching American Horror Story. I imagine would be something that would give me more anxiety if that's what I watched right before bed. Yeah. It sounds stupid, but I, I genuinely believe that to some extent we hypnotize ourselves with the media we consume. And so if I'm on TikTok or Tinder while simultaneously watching American uh, horror story, I'm going to be training my brain to be very awake and very anxious and very tied to the external world. Mm -hmm. And if I meditate and listen to the Book of Joy, I'm probably going to, over time, naturally become calmer and have more peace. Yeah. So, so what you're trying to do in, in the way that I conceive of it is that you're trying to reconnect with part of yourself that exists. It did exist. It's in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're trying to just like let it come out more like can give you a bit more guidance in, in your thought pattern so one one way to do that i've mentioned is guided meditations ben talked about meditation but journaling is another way mm. so journaling free writing on the topic of what would i do if i wasn't afraid of anything what would i love to do if i didn't care what other people thought mm. and write as quickly as you can for a span of two to five minutes and just like don't let your hand stop if you have to write blah 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 or you have to type blah 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 that's totally fine uh and what you will find is that that part of you that isn't always connected can start to come out because you're racing so quickly and it can start to answer some of these questions. Uh, and then when you look at it and you're like, oh shit, I would sign up for a dance class. And you're like, well, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to sign up for a dance class, even though that makes me uncomfortable. Uh, and in that way, you're giving yourself actionable steps that you can take to, to condition that sort of feeling and behavior. Cool. Next is, you often talk about chari Charity Water, which is a great project. However, you mentioned in one of your podcasts that all your clothes come from H&M, which means they have been produced in garment factories. Have mm -hmm. you thought at all about how that fits together? No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't thought at all. Um, I've thought about it a little bit, actually. I th okay, that's that's true. I've thought about it a little bit. Sweatshops and garment factories are, are to me, not as clean cut as something like water. So I, I'm open completely to changing my mind. Like I said, it's a little bit, but let's assume that I stop buying. Let's assume that we go, uh, we, we are going to spend enough money to, to give these people a living wage. We demand it. Um, what you find is that the market tends to seek the lowest common denominator, which is why there are people being paid just a few cents to make all of these, these garments. Uh, if I were to pay more, it tends to be that my options are now now I'm paying somebody who is actually better off than the garment factory in, say, Vietnam. Now I'm paying somebody in uh, Argentina who has a better standard of life, a little bit more money. And I'm not I'm not saying that sweatshops are wonderful, but this is this is part of the difficulty of garment factories and sweatshops is that you're saying when you buy from REI and you get a two hundred dollar jacket, you're not giving two hundred dollars to that poor family. That's in the sweatshop. Even, you're giving it to someone who. So, so there's a couple things. One, you're, you're paying layers of marketing and branding and all that kind of stuff on top of it. So it's not that clear cut. But even if you're doing it, what tends to happen is that you're paying now, you know, this is made in the US and we pay them sustainable living. It's like, okay, well, now I'm paying someone in the US who already has a lot of the basics access mm -hmm. to internet, a library nearby them, public sanitation, 
uh, now I'm paying them a living wage. So I'm not sure, and if somebody knows more on the topic of, of sweatshops, the, what would be a better option? Mm, interesting. Uh, because it's like, okay, yeah, they're only making 10 cents or they're only making one cent a shirt. It's like, okay, well, should I not give them any cents a shirt? Uh, I can donate to charity. I can send money to these organizations, but like how does how do you create a system that elevates people out of poverty? One of the things, and I don't know if this is true, but that Milton Friedman argues is that not having a minimum wage across the world is one of the greatest forces for elevating people out of poverty because it allows them to get all of that money that would go towards shirts into their economy. And yes, it starts off on a per cap or on a per unit basis being very, very small. But it's that, I mean, look at what's happened to China. Like they, they create the cheapest goods in the entire world and they've lifted millions of people out of poverty in the last 50 years. So that's that's the school, that's the University of Chicago view on things, highly conservative. There are people that have, are economists that have different views and I haven't sorted out the truth between that and like a Keynesian view where, or a protectionist view or uh, other sorts of things. So it's Good just answer. to me, it's, it's just not that clear to me. No, I like that. Well, if people feel strongly about it, feel mm -hmm. free to comment. Yeah. Next is, do you feel as though social media incentivizes performative enlightenment and what tools can people use to avoid falling for spiritual narcissism? <laughs> yes, definitely. Hundred. It, it, it definitely incentivizes all sorts of performative, performative, performative everything. everything. It, yeah, fitness guru is more incentivized to learn how to take good photos and edit good photos than they are to get in shape or to give good advice for getting in shape. Mm -hmm. I think that's true of spirituality. Definitely, we've beaten this to death. True of people who are trying to teach you how to make money. Mm -hmm. I think uh, be wary of every guru on social media. Well, I think especially, uh, like quite frankly, fitness people, and you can obviously edit it, but uh, the more active, and I include myself in this category, someone is on social media, it seems to me the less spiritually enlightened they are, at least in that moment. Mm. Uh, like the Dalai Lama certainly is not active on Twitter or Instagram. Like he might say he things. he dictates his own tweets? He might though. You know what I mean? doesn't look at the responses. Like communication doesn't stop. But being like really involved in the titling and the thumbnail and all that kind mm. of stuff, it doesn't seem to me to be what a person who gets it spiritually would spend their time doing. Sure. And the, I think the one exception I would, and I'm super biased, caveat is potentially YouTube. There's that woman you sent me, Teal Swan. Mm -hmm. And she... I don't know if she's deep on Instagram or Twitter or all those things, but in terms of YouTube, she's producing content that I do think, if you look at her comments, there's a lot of people saying, you've saved me from suicide. Oh, I think I like her content a lot. And so I, I don't think that she's necessarily bogus or a hypocrite because she's on YouTube. I don't consider YouTube to be a social media platform. So I would I would carve it out. Um, Interesting. I, I actually think, well, what I would say that I see her doing well is her spirituality stuff is her talking, sometimes in front of a green screen, just that's what it is. You know what I mean? It's it's her communicating uh, like she were speaking to an audience at a venue. Mm -hmm. uh, it is not her on a jet or her on a thing or her sitting, sitting on a mountain. A lot. I, you, I love the people who meditate on a mountain like this, like they hold their arms up. It's like you do realize that that would become impossible within a matter of minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, like, that's my favorite pose because you know the person doesn't meditate. Yeah, yeah. That's my absolute favorite. Uh but no, that's yeah. And it's not to say that there is no way that someone can be good at fitness, earning money or spirituality and have a large following. No, the question was just that. Do I think there's a lot of performative spirituality? And it's I think mostly, there's a lot of performative, mostly performative, everything. Yeah, I think. So I guess. And how would one know? Um, 
with regards to spirituality, I do think it, it, like a hyper focus on the material world seems to be at odds with uh, spirituality. Mm-hmm. So the degree to which that comes through in the YouTube videos or anything else, as far as I can tell, like it's not that you have to cut one out entirely, but you stop being as interested in Lamborghinis. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things that always confused me about um, Osho is that dude had like 72 Rolls Royces. And people said that he had this effect where when you were near him, you just felt immense love and immense acceptance and gratitude. But he liked shiny shit. So I don't, not, maybe I'm wrong about this. Uh, maybe he's an exception. Maybe he was a charlatan. I'm not sure. Mm. But yeah, he's, he had a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And also they had a lot of sex at the Rajneeshish. So I, I guess I don't know. <laughs> but yes, it's lots of performative. I do like Teal Swan though. I think her stuff is good if you want to check it out. And I don't, uh, I should you, say this with everybody, I don't 100% endorse everything she says, but it's absolutely worth checking out. You also like actualized.org yeah, on YouTube, same thing. Right? I like actualized.org. He's, he's into it. I like actualized.org and I like Teal Swan and I don't 100% agree with, any, with everything that either of them say, but I find I watch much of what both of them do and I, and I enjoy it. Yeah. Cool. So we did it. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much. By the way, we're actually going to, on Patreon, have extra questions. So anybody who signs up for Patreon will get access to our answers to those. We may also include our list of principles, which came up in a patron question, things that have guided us in our life decisions and business decisions, just because we just try to include as much extra fun stuff. So if you want to join our Patreon, help fund the podcast, put some money in Justin's pocket. (laughs) (laughs) You can do that with the link below. Either way, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.